Coming up on today's Next Fan Up podcast, you're going to hear about this. I'm not that kind of guy. I think there's a lot more to the, a player's impact on a game than just what is def- reflected on the stat sheet. What is Brady Papinga talking about? <laughs> Stats are for losers, obviously. <laughs> and we're talking about the greatest running back of all time. We're going to get the show started. Listen. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You play to win the game. Next fan up. I want winners. Featuring Pod Vader and the super fans. They are who we thought they were. Oh, do we have a good show for you guys today? We have always mentioned that'll be a great off-season topic. Well, guess what? It's the off-season. And so today we bring you a very special episode of the Next Fan Up podcast. I don't believe there's any news happening in the NFL right now. The draft happened a couple weeks ago. Rookie camp's going on right now, so they're all you know under their team's watch, so they can't, you know, tweet out videos of them, you know, smoking a bong through a gas mask. That shouldn't happen over the next couple days. So instead, we're going to talk about the greatest running back ever. I've got four super fans with me today, and I'll have a very special guest that we'll bring in in just a moment. But first, let me introduce you to the guys that are with me. Our Thursday regulars, Greg, our Steelers super fan. How are you, Greg? I'm doing fine. Thanks, Jay. Oh, fantastic. Thanks, Greg. Uh, you sound a little different there. Um, I wonder why. Uh, our other Thursday regular is Neil. He's our Washington Redskins super fan from across the pond. Hello, Neil. Hey, Jay. How are you doing? Uh, I'm really excited to hopefully sneak in a Timmy Smith reference into this conversation. Hmm. I don't know if we should allow that. Uh, but we also have some other gentlemen here with us today. Uh, James is our Texan super fan. Hello, James. Hey, Jay beautiful day here in Washington and I mean if anybody wants to throw out a name for uh, a potential Pittsburgh running back as greatest of all time now would be the time mm. oh I don't hear anything <laughs> from Pittsburgh interesting no, uh, and uh, not agree he must not and a guy who's got a couple of running backs that could perhaps be on the list it is Monty our Raiders super fan hello Monty How's it going, Jay? My uh, 12-year-old Monty definitely wants to make a reference for Bo Jackson. I had so many posters all over my wall. I think the least we can do is bring him up in this conversation because Bo knows. I think we're going to do more than just bring him up in this conversation. Uh, but we want to hear from you. Nextfanup at gmail.com. That's our email address. Uh, we're going to be talking about it today, but you can send us those emails and we'll react to it, certainly. Uh, we had an NFC breakdown uh, this past week on the Next Fan Up podcast hosted by Andrew, our Jets super fan. Uh, so you're going to want to check that out. You can do that by going to iTunes and subscribing to the show. You can leave us a review there as well. Uh, that would be fantastic. We've got a few in there. Uh, I don't think we have any new ones, though. That's the only problem. Hmm. I wish we did. Uh, so go ahead and leave a new review for us on iTunes. Subscribe. Listen to some of our former shows. The AFC breakdown coming up this weekend. Uh, but we will certainly react to your emails and your tweets. Uh, and our Twitter is going to become very important for you, as you'll find out at the end of the show. 
It's at NFU Podcast on Twitter. We're also uh, blog talk. We're, we're also at blogtalkradio.com slash next fan up. But on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash NFU Podcast, or you just type next fan up in the search, our page comes right up. All right. Greatest running back of all time. Let's bring in our special guest. And we bring in our very special guest to help us debate this very important topic. Uh, he is a former NFL player, played eight years in the NFL, uh, six of them with the Green Bay Packers, won a Super Bowl with them in 2010. He also played with those St. Louis Rams, the Rams, the St. Louis variety, now the L.A. Rams of St. Louis, and the Cowboys. He's a contributor to footballbyfootball.com. He's a guest host on the Football by Football podcast, which you can hear on iTunes and on Blog Talk Radio as well. It's my pleasure to bring in Brady Papinga. Brady, how are you? I'm doing well, guys. I'm out here on the West Coast where it's 6 a.m., you know, so it's a little early rise for me, but I enjoy these kind of conversations. Good morning to you then. Trust me, uh, we don't normally tape this early, but it was my fault for breaking my leg and having to do other things this afternoon. (laughs) <laughs> oh, you you literally broke your leg? Are you kidding me? No, I literally broke my ankle on Monday. It's a long Whoa. story. Oh, man. So were you playing like street pickup ball or something and somebody put a sweet crossover move on you or what happened? Uh, well, uh, it was my 12-year-old son. Uh, and as we mentioned, it's all about a game of inches. He threw the ball just one inch too far and twisted my ankle on the curb. Oh, uh, yeah. man. It's hard to hear that. Yes. That's no good. But, uh, you know, as I told him, this is why accuracy matters as a quarterback. Uh, <laughs> or athleticism from the wide receiver to not roll his ankle as he falls off the curb. Hey, come on. Uh, I, I'm the I'm the veteran player here. He's the rookie. Uh, awesome. Well, enough about me. Let's talk about uh, this awesome topic. And it came up last week as I was talking with our guest, Scott Stratton of at unmarketing on Twitter, and he's a big lions fan. And I was talking to him about Barry Sanders. And I mentioned to him how, when I met Barry and shook his hand that, you know, I believe he is the greatest running back of all time. I just wish they'd stop showing that one highlight of him literally running over every single Patriot player on the field. Uh, this is the one highlight they always show of Barry whenever he's a guest somewhere. Sure. Um, and that got us talking about who is the greatest running back of all time. So we as fans have our opinions. I'd love to hear the player's perspective on who the greatest running back of all time is. Yeah, well, I look at the all-time greats. I mean, literally, you are splitting hairs when you're talking about guys like Emmett Smith, who holds the rushing record, and Barry Sanders, who probably would have broke the rushing record if he would have just continued to play. Uh, you got the uh, – well, you could throw the Tony Dorsets in there, the Walter Paytons, and you could just keep going down the list. You know, Gail Sayers, and, and, and they're all – have a strong argument in their favor. There's no question about it, whether it's productivity. Uh, for many of those guys, they won Super Bowls. In those Super Bowls, they were the MVPs. You could just keep going down the list and saying that's the reason why. When uh, I look at it from a player's perspective, I just don't look at the raw production, meaning how many yards or how many you know touchdowns a guy scores, and then using that to determine Who's the best ever? I'm not that kind of guy. I think there's a lot more to the, a player's impact on a game than just what is def- reflected on the stat sheet. 
And so when I look at a guy and I see all these beautiful stats and, and their teams have been successful, I break it down to what was their influence on the success of their team? How big of an impact did they make on that end? And the guy that jumped out at me is Walter Payton. Walter Payton was a guy that not only was he extremely quick and agile and elusive in the open field, but just as much as he was agile and quick in the open field, he was a powerful runner and underrated by, uh, you know, by other standards. You know, we don't look and think of Walter Payton as that type of runner. So you have those two things going for you to where he's got power and speed. But then the biggest thing is, and I know this, you know, in today's era, guys are always trying to preserve themselves, which is a smart business decision. I'm not saying it's bad. You know, Emmett Smith ran this way. Barry Sanders, you could even say, ran this way to where when they would get to the sideline, these guys are going to run out of bounds. Or if they're crowded by two or three guys, you know what? They're going to give it up. And we see that today with Adrian Peterson all the time. And I actually experienced that. When you heard crowd a guy, <laughs> he's going to give it up. That wasn't the case with Walter Payton. This guy, if you crowd him, he would turn at you and he would stick his face right into your chin and he would push you back and he would push that pile three, four, five yards more. Or on the sidelines, instead of running out of bounds, he would stick his foot in the ground and run towards who's ever trying to push him or uh, steer him out of bounds. And he, again, would stick his face right up under the guy's chin and look to gain another two, three, four yards. He would look to gain every possible inch that he could without giving anything up. And I'll tell you what. If you're a defender, if you're another guy on the sidelines who's maybe in another personnel package or just an offensive lineman who's watching this guy run with that amount of effort, you know how inspiring that is, oh, yeah. especially from the defense. You see your, your running back who takes on the greatest amount of wear and tear, who sometimes has so much of a load that when the game's over, the guy can hardly walk out to his car doing that on a week-in, week-out basis. That gets you excited to want to go out and do that same thing in your job defensively and so I would say that Walter Payton's the best running back ever because not only was he all stream, extremely productive, but because he was a lightning rod of an influence to his teammates. And there's no, and, and I think people don't want to make a connection between that 46 Bears defense and maybe Walter Payton, but I think you have to based on the fact that that defense is watching Walter all the time as they're on the sidelines. And yeah, after they're done looking at their they're, they're at the time photos and strategy and stuff. They were inspired by him, I'd have to imagine. And so that to me gives Walter Payton the edge. That's awesome. And I do want to reemphasize as we continue talking about this, all of these guys are phenomenal running backs. Yeah, uh, We're just literally trying to give you who is the best running back of all time. And that's a great point, sort of the the emotional impact that the player had on their team. We're definitely going to get into the, st- the statistics of it, though. Uh, Greg, our Steelers superfan, put that together. We'll get into that a little bit later after we've let you go. Uh, I want to bring in Neil, uh, who is our Washington Redskins superfan, and he's from across the pond. So he has a very unique perspective on this topic as well. Hey, Jay, thanks for that. Yep. Hello, Brady. Uh, Hey. I think uh, an added an added bonus for Walter Payton there was a Green Bay Packer uh, uh, player uh, saying how great Walter Payton was. I was lucky enough to uh, to watch Walter Payton, uh, and what a fantastic player he was. Uh, the one thing I would I would ask Brady, I guess, would be how much, and maybe this is more a question for the modern game. Uh, how much is the pass catching 
uh, element of a wide receiver's game and, and what that does to the actual to the defense. How important is that nowadays? And also in this big question. Are you talking about the running back? Right? Yeah, sure. Okay, yeah. Well, it's extremely important. It's been important, I'd say, through all eras. But again, to me, I mean, like a guy like Walter Payton, like I put all the all-time greats in that category of pass catching, and I would say they're all very similar. Uh, we didn't get to see guys like Walter Payton, Gail Sayers, in their fullest as pass catchers because of the era that they were playing in to where they were the featured back. Uh, teams wouldn't line up in spread formations very often unless it was like third down and long. And so we didn't get to see the difficulties that they would present in terms of matchups like we do today with guys. And the best example I would give to you is Darren Sproles. Not that I would even put him in like the top 10 greatest running backs of all time, but he's a good example of a mismatch nightmare for defenses that is more featured in today's game than it was back then. So uh, not that the, you know, I wouldn't basically hold it against these guys based off of the style of play that they're asked to play. Walter Payton, Barry Sanders, those kind of guys being those guys to where they, they weren't really heavily utilized in the passing game, but that was by design. But if you would have taken them, let's just say you pick them up and you plop them into today's game, there's no doubt that these guys would be heavily involved in a passing game. Whether that's blocking, by the way, that's just people always just think of the pass catching, but blocking is just as important. Because that running back, especially with these teams that run all these exotic blitzes and all these exotic pressures, man, they have to be so honed in with that offensive line to be able to step up, know who to block first and foremost, and then be able to pull off the blocks another adventure. Uh, but again, you, we didn't really get to see that with these guys that played all the way up to the turn of this century, of the, of the year 2000, to where the game shifted, because they just didn't pass the ball as much back then. We, uh, we ran a Twitter poll uh for this topic uh and the, the three running backs that we listed were Jim Brown, Barry Sanders, uh and Bo Jackson. We also listed other and folks were to email us who those others were. Uh and we're going to I, I want to I'll talk about Jim Brown with the super fans after you're gone Brady cuz your 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 boss there Matt Chatham sent an interesting email that we're going to discuss further about Jim Brown. Uh wow. but Bo Jackson uh, was a player that Monty would know rather well as he's our Raiders super fan. And Monty, I believe you were the one that nominated Bo Jackson to begin with. I mean, I wish that I could um, qualify that. I think we were talking more about video games. So when I threw Bo Jackson out there, I was just saying <laughs> he literally was the greatest Tecmo Super Bowl player in the history. And then I sent out a, a couple of videos to back that up. Bo Jackson was an animal, but he obviously didn't play for as long as some of these other guys to get any of the stats. Um, I think for an athlete, you put him in the octagon, he could go pound for pound with anyone. Like, he was amazing. But the one thing that I think Bo Jackson did that some of these other guys did not do, uh, it was uh, the marketing aspect. Like, he created a persona, had a shoe. I mean, some of all the stuff that you're seeing with athletes nowadays, especially with the NFL, I would say Bo Jackson was the first guy that I can remember who literally had his own entire Nike campaign uh, talking about him, but... Yeah, I can talk about Bo forever, the, the, how fast he was for as big of a guy as he was. I mean, Bo Jackson was an animal. He's uh, my Twitter avatar. He's the reason why I love the Raiders. And uh, I'm not going to put him in the same category as the Walter Paytons and Barry Sanders of the world. But in his prime, that dude was a bad man. And I'm sure you had to prepare 
and get your defense ready for him um, in the similar way. I mean, he's just a game changer. So uh, that, that's, that's what I'd say about Bo. I can keep going, but I don't think he really is in the same, uh, same breath as some of these other great guys you're talking about. Yeah, but athletically there, bud, that guy was in probably the greatest athlete in all of sports. No doubt about it, he's the greatest athlete of all the running backs. You know, I, I work with a guy on uh, Fox Sports Radio by the name of Steve Hartman. He used to be the PR guy for the Raiders back when he was in the draft room, when Al Davis said, and I, I don't remember what round it was, but it was when Bo Jackson pretty much said he's not playing football, where he said, guys, we're going to draft Bo Jackson. Everybody's like, huh? Are you kidding they were shocked that he was going to do that because he he'd already made his intentions very clear that he was going to go play baseball. And then the best he just story didn't is want to play. He didn't want to play for the Buccaneers. That's uh, right. And Thirty for Thirty was an awesome show. If you haven't seen that, I would go check it out. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, but it was interesting to hear that even like back in that day, you know, with everybody understanding his athletic prowess, they still were shocked that Al Davis would make a uh, a choice of Bo Jackson, who looked like he was just going to go play. Uh, baseball and then he shows up in the middle of the season and as soon as he walks on the field he's the best player out there and how long is he's like this guy's from another planet this this this, this doesn't <laughs> happen you have to at least trade you know that's what we all are taught uh, he didn't have to do that and he still was phenomenal but I agree with you in the sense that it, you just don't have enough body of work with that guy to really put him in the all-time greats but I would imagine man if you would have given him a full career. He would have committed completely to football. He would be, no doubt, within the top two of the all-time greats. He was the epitome of the ultimate combination of size and speed that we've ever seen at that running back position. And I'm a huge Brady fan. Like, the more you talk, the more that I just I agree with you 100%. This guy knows his stuff. <laughs> I, I am a big football guy, man. You know, that's, that's where I come from, man. It's my background. <laughs> Brady, I, I know you got to get running, but before I let you go, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about those L.A. Rams of St. Louis. Um, you played a season in St. Louis. You know, what's what are your feelings about the Rams move to L.A.? Oh, I think it's a phenomenal move. It's where the Rams should have always have been. You know, when I went to the St. Louis Rams, I thought that it was interesting that many of their uh, administrators still had their offices in Orange County, which is just south of Los Angeles, where they were at. I thought, well, nobody, somebody's still got one foot back in L.A. here. What's going on? And we even were hearing rumors that Kroenke, who had just recently bought the team, was really strongly looking at Los Angeles. But to me, it always felt, even when the, the Rams went from L.A. to St. Louis, it felt like it didn't belong. You know, It was almost like the right shoe on the left foot. It was like, yeah, you can make it happen, but... It's not meant to be that way, you know, and I, and really St. Louis, too, when I played there, we, we, we lost a lot of games. We went 2-14. and 14. We weren't a good team. Uh, we were one of the worst teams, to be honest with you, record-wise. And, uh, but, but still, though, I always felt that they were a baseball town, that people were more interested in baseball and that they would go to the games, the football games anyway, if it was like, you know, nothing going on at the baseball field, let's go to the football game, you know, and it's like – NFL teams with with the game, way the game has grown so much deserve better than that, in my opinion. And it just, to me, wasn't a, like I said, it wasn't a strong fit, and the fans weren't as embracing of the team as I would thought they would have been. Now I came from the Packers, you know, which is like the best fan base known to man of NFL football, so it was a pretty big drop off. But I always felt that they deserved to come back to LA. Now I have a house in LA. And many, many of the Ram fan, LA Ram fans were very, very interested before the Rams moved here, but 
they were interested in, hey, man, is this going to happen? We want the Rams back here because everybody was uh, like sort of looking down on the Los Angeles Rams fans, like saying that you guys don't go to the games anyway, but the game has changed, you know, and it's to the point to where it's the most popular in North America. So I, I believe it's a phenomenal move, not only business wise, but for just the NFL to have a presence in Los Angeles, but it's where the Rams belong, guys. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Brady, thanks so much for joining us. Where can people find you? They can find me at Brady Papinga on Twitter and off uh, and Facebook too. At the, you could you know type in Brady Papinga and uh, yeah, you can interact with me, ask me questions, do whatever you want. You can even heckle me when I'm on Fox Sports Radio. And sometimes I respond, sometimes I don't, but it's always fun conversations to uh, or discussions that we can get into. So no problem there. So at Brady Papinga on Twitter. Thanks for joining us today, Brady. Don't forget footballbyfootball.com and, of course, the Football by Football podcast, which you can download and listen to on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Brady Papinga, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, guys. Have a good one. All right, there goes Brady Papinga. Excellent stuff from Brady. Let's continue this conversation because there's so many different angles to go on the greatest running back of all time. And James, our Texan super fan, has been with us the entire time. Sorry we didn't get you in there, James. Uh, let's get your thoughts here now on the greatest running back of all time. Well, I mean, we've taken into consideration stats and uh, you know everybody has their own separate angle. I think if you want to kind of combine all of that into one and bring it into the modern era. To find the greatest running back of all time, all you need is a Google search. And um, much like the you know the maps incident where if you look for misery, it takes you to Cleveland Brown Stadium. If you just look for greatest running back of all time, Google tells you it's Barry Sanders. So frankly, this discussion is over from my point of view. <laughs> Uh, Google is the authority on everything. And it is true. As I started this morning and Googled greatest running back of all time, Barry Sanders is the answer. Uh, so there's that. Uh, it also leads you to an NFL.com uh, piece that they did last year uh, where Elliot Harrison, Bucky Brooks, and Dave Damashek uh, unanimously picked Walter Payton, much like uh, Brady did. Uh, I mentioned uh, his boss, Matt Chatham's email. Matt couldn't join us today. He's unfortunately having surgery. Uh, so there's lots of leg injuries happening out there. Um, but he mentions my view. Jim Brown can't be in the conversation. Too difficult of a comparison. He played with midget offensive linemen and typically smaller tacklers than himself. If plugged in now where he wasn't bigger than the tacklers, what happens? Who knows? But uh, his is a waste of time entry into the debate, in my opinion. Adrian Peterson, freak talent, one of the better running backs in this era, but definitely not one of the best of all time. Too boom slash bust, too many one and two yard runs. He gets a high yards per carry because he pairs a single 50 yard run against a bunch of two yard runs every game. Best ever backs are more difficult to get on the ground on a down to down basis. He isn't. He's like a tall Chris Johnson of old in that regard. Dangerous to break the big one, not best run in, run out. Net stats fool people in that regard. They shouldn't. Career total shouldn't be a part of the formula either, in my opinion. That's Craig Bijouing the type, the best running back conversation. For that reason, it's probably either Barry Sanders or Walter Payton with Marshall Falk as the best of the new era where receiving skill is part of the equation. When it's pure running with ball in hand from the backfield, it's more of a two-horse race between Payton and Sanders. And so, Greg, we now fall to you, the stats master. 
What did the stats say? Well, basically, the stats said that uh, Jim Brown is a freak, statistically. Uh, I did a compare on who had 800 or 6,000 yards from scrimmage and 80 touchdowns. And Jim Brown, even though he had only had 118 games, was a top five player in touchdowns. He had 126 touchdowns in 118 games. That's more than a touchdown per game. That's pretty amazing. And then just as a fun thing, I did a comparison on him on uh, Adrian Peterson. <clears throat> and Peterson's played two more games currently, but Jim Brown has him by about 700 yards and about by 24 touchdowns. So I understand the idea that Jim Brown played in a long era that none of us have ever seen because we're all too young, <laughs> because we're under like 80. But, <laughs> I mean, you know, he's a he was an amazing talent. Just statistically, you know, he's like the uh, – uh, Babe Ruth of football here. I mean, his his stats are just unbelievable for the era he played in. Short seasons, no medical staffs, no game planning against them. Just amazing. You know, there is one running back we haven't brought up who's played in the quote-unquote modern era. At least he played in the 2000s. Uh, and he is most definitely heading to the Hall of Fame. Uh, and Monty, you probably... Uh, have the best opinion on this guy and that's Ladanian Tomlinson. All time, all timer. The guy was animal. Every time he played the Raiders, I think he averaged like four touchdowns a week. Uh, in the fantasy football realm, I mean, he, his stats were off the charts. He could catch, uh, between Falk and Ladanian, I guess I would go for Falk just because Falk was such a prolific pass catcher. But, man, pound for pound, Adrian, uh, LaDainian Tomlinson had, like, so many awesome moves. Like, he was the closest thing to Barry Sanders, in my opinion, for just watching a guy just make a grown man professional defensive player swing and miss. Like, he could juke and stop and cut faster. I mean, the guy was awesome. I hate the Chargers. I don't think that's a secret. But, man, you can't help but just sit back and marvel at what LaDainian Tomlinson was able to do. And for being a littler guy... Like him and Walter Payton would run full speed to block the linebackers that were coming in. Like you'd see some collisions where those dudes with the leverage and the speed and power that they had knock huge men backwards because they were just that ferocious. I think LaDainian Tomlinson is in the conversation. I'd give him a slight tick below some of those other names. But, yeah, I think he definitely is worth consideration because he he had a run there where he was breaking the touchdown record or knocking on the touchdown record door every single year and he was phenomenal granted eight eight of those touchdowns would come against the raiders uh in a down the lost decade but still i mean you can't argue with his body of work James, uh, you, you again are unfortunately too quiet in this conversation. You had some guys, uh, you know, that you've seen down there in Texas uh, that have been pretty good. Uh, we're, we're already sort of ruling out Emmett Smith, but is that sort of fair? Uh, Emmett being a Dallas Cowboy, not a Texan, but being in Texas. Uh, I don't think any of the Texans like Arian Foster would be part of this conversation. No, I mean, the, the, the Texans have had some really good runners, especially under Gary Kubiak. Um, but, I mean, they'll, they'll always get the argument of it was a system guy because, you know, one would go down and, you know, all of a sudden this undrafted, you know, rookie Arian Foster would come in and just set franchise records. Um, that's kind of bad being a Texans franchise record because it's only got 
still 15 years worth of uh, worth of stats to overcome. Uh, Emmett Smith was really good. Uh, I think if he was playing in the modern age, he'd be in trouble for different reasons. Um, like we all know, Adrian Peterson lost a season because of the uh, recently created commissioner's exemption list. I think Emmett might have found himself on that list once or twice, um, or may have had a Laramie Tunsil Twitter hacking incident that had cost him a game or two. Um, you know, I think with discussions like this, everybody likes to gravitate towards older players or players from previous generations because it's like you said, Pod. Whenever you see a Barry Sanders highlight, they're not going to show the, you know, the three-yard loss, you know, the one-yard run into the line. They're going to show the times when he went out there and just destroyed eleven Patriots all by himself. Well, and I'm I'm sorry. Let me just jump in real quick. Matt Chatham mentioned in in his argument about Adrian Peterson. You know, he he's too much boomer bust. I believe Barry Sanders, uh, as the one negative on him, did in fact have the most uh, lost yards from the line of scrimmage uh, in his career. Could be wrong about that, but it's something similar to that. Barry was very much a, a dancer in the backfield, the kind of guy that you go, oh, God, no. And then he busts one out and you're like, oh, OK, it worked out. Uh, the team was so bad, there would be three defenders in the backfield but as soon as he got the ball. I mean, well, that's true, too. <laughs> uh, James, finish your point. Yeah, and I mean, it's kind of funny. Like, you get a player like Barry Sanders, and the last thing you remember him is him retiring on a high note. And so everybody just kind of projects that, well, he would have played six more years and had the exact same stats. Meanwhile, you have a player like Ladanian Tomlinson that, you know, finished out his career – for a season or two playing for the Jets and, you know, kind of showing his age and just going out there and everybody, you know, forgets just for how long he was dominant. And, you know, now when we first asked the question on Slack, you know, I just said, okay, it's Barry Sanders. You know, that's going to be my answer. Uh, after talking with Neil and him bringing up, you know, Roger Craig and then thinking about Marshall Falk, the, the reason you don't see a Jim Brown style running back anymore is because of, you know, Roger Craig and Marshall Falk changing the game, forcing running backs to not just be, I'm going to hand you the ball, you're going to run into the line, and you're going to push the pile three or four yards, and occasionally you're going to break a big one. Uh, now they have to be, you know, the dynamic pass blockers. They have to be the pass catchers. And I'm starting to come around to LT being the best because, you know, with LT, now every running back or every team is finding a, a player – that has to catch the ball out of the backfield. You know, you're going to get Jamal Charles, who has the highest uh, yards per carry average of all time, as our Kansas City Chiefs fan is uh, loves to tell us on Slack. Uh, but, you know, I don't think Jamal Charles is really in the league as a premier back without the contributions of, you know, Marshall Falk and LaDadian Tomlinson. I'd like to add on to the uh, James' comment there. I, one of the, the queries I did was I did uh, 14 touchdowns in a season and 80 yards rushing per game and having to get 1,500 total yards from scrimmage. And, th I mean, that's a little hard to digest, but Tomlinson did that six times in his career. No other running back did it more than four times. And that's 80 rushing yards a game with over 1,500 yards from the line of scrimmage 
in 14 touchdowns. So almost a, a touchdown per game. I mean, that's just amazing that he did that six times. And there's the, the guys who did it four times were Barry Sanders, Emmett, Jim Brown, and Sean Alexander. And that's it. So those are the guys that are within four that had four seasons like that. I mean, Tomlinson was clearly a cut above the rest on an individual season by season basis for that time period. And the longevity. I mean, some guys that we might talk about, like a Trell Davis, didn't even play six productive years. Yeah, I mean, I think there is some relevance to, again, what Brady was talking about, the emotional impact that a player had on a team as well. And we talk about some of these guys where their careers were ended way too short. Most running backs, you know, sort of experience that their career ends way too short. But there's other guys that have been part of this conversation before uh, that didn't play for very long. Gail Sayers is one that comes to mind pretty quickly, who also played in that, you know, other era. Um, Earl Campbell is another guy who's often talked about uh, as one of the greatest running backs of all time. Uh, you know, I think there's I think there's some validity to, to what those guys did in a short time. And you just mentioned Terrell Davis. Um, but at the same time, I mean, are we knocking them too far down because they didn't play for as long as they you know, as some of these other guys did. I mean, we're knocking Emmett because he played for too long, but we're knocking these other guys because they didn't play long enough. Where's the middle ground? Well, I think, uh, I think it'd be interesting to, to know what, what's the criteria for choosing the best running back of all time. Cause it, I mean, Brady mentioned a few things like, you know, the, just the, the, the the vast total of yards that somebody like Smith put together, together with his incredible durability, which, uh, which as you'll know yourself today, Jay, is nothing to be taken for granted. Uh, there's also the receiving aspect. But for me, I think I'm going to sound very European here, so I apologize in advance. But sometimes you'll go to an art gallery and you'll see a picture. You'll see hundreds of pictures, but one or two pictures will make you stop and say, wow, and just spend time, have that emotional uh, uh, interface with the picture. Same with a voice. When somebody sings, a voice will just all of a sudden catch you out and you'll stop what you're doing. And I, I think in terms of NFL running backs, uh, in the ones that I've seen, and I've been watching the game, I would say that the two players who made me stop what I was doing, sit down and watch them, were, were Barry Sanders and Eric Dickerson. They were both just, that's very difficult to even put into words what they were. There was just something special that made you say, Okay, all of the rest, rest of this stuff can wait. I need to sit down and watch this guy play. And many times you watch Sanders, and he was, he he wasn't playing the same sport as the players around him. He was on a different planet, playing his own game by himself. Uh, I think somebody there mentioned uh, sometimes having three defenders in the backfield with him. I mean, he played in a terrible Detroit team. He wasn't playing on 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 some of these great sides that uh, that some of these other backs played on. Uh, so yeah, I think it's it's about criteria, and for me, it's 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 the wow factor. The stop stop what you're doing and watch this guy because he's special. You know, there's there's another we mentioned Eric Dickerson. Uh, he was definitely part of this conversation for quite some time, as he was the leading rusher of the NFL for quite some time. Uh, and of course, there's another gentleman that nobody ever likes to talk about anymore because of 
you know, off the field stuff being OJ Simpson uh, as another guy that was sort of out there, was a great running back in the NFL, um, turned out to be not so great a human being. But uh, there's there's one name here, Monty, that shows up on some of these stat lists that Greg put together that I think never gets talked about enough. And he was a Raider, and his name is Marcus Allen. I think Marcus, I mean, he really shows up in the touchdown list. Like, he's kind of known for those one- to two-yard leap over the piles. Like, he just had found a way to get in the end zone, which is phenomenal. Um, I love Marcus Allen. One of my earliest football memories is that Super Bowl against Neal's terrible Redskin team where they just let Marcus move Allen on, reverse field and run. <laughs> was it almost 200 yards, Neil? Do you remember? Was it, was it almost 200? I, I know it was a record at the time. I have no but, recollection yeah. of that game. Yeah, Marcus Marcus was awesome. Um, as far as stats go, I, I think that uh, Neil kind of touched on it. I mean, it, a lot of that has to depends on the team that you're on. You know, Barry Sanders played on a terrible team. Emmett played on a team that won three Super Bowls. Um, Marcus played on, you know, a variety of teams. He won a Super Bowl, and then he had some down years with the Raiders. But his touchdown stats, I think when he retired, he was one of the – I think he was the leader in touchdowns when he retired. That might not be true. He was definitely in the conversation. Um, but, yeah, he – very, very awesome running back. I mean, it's so difficult with all the names you're throwing out there. I mean, you are kind of splitting hairs. I think Marcus is definitely in the conversation as well. But, boy – I mean, I don't think he can do some of the things that some of these other guys could do, but definitely a phenomenal player. And that Super Bowl performance was an all-timer. I mean, how much does Super Bowl performance take place in here? I know we hate throwing out the argument, well, he's got more rings than anybody else. Uh, But, I mean, the running back does have a huge contribution towards a team winning a game, and the Super Bowl is the biggest stage of them all. Well, it definitely so, comes yeah, into play when you're talking about quarterbacks, so I don't know how you cannot bring it up when you're talking about running backs. It seems to be everyone's go-to move when you're talking about the greatest quarterback. Well, that, you know, Marino didn't win a Super Bowl, but he is still a phenomenal quarterback, so I think it has to factor in. Well, I mean, if we're going to factor in Super Bowls, we're about two plays away from having to talk about Thurman Thomas. I mean, he played for the Bills and, and when they made their run of four straight Super Bowls. And, I mean, you're, you're one Scott Norwood uh, field goal away from him having a Super Bowl. Uh, if I remember right, Thurman Thomas also played with Barry Sanders in Oklahoma State and was the guy who kept Barry Sanders on the bench because he was so much better than him in college. I don't know if he was so much better than him. He was a senior. I think he was a few years older, and there's a famous quote. I, I want to say it was one of the Cowboys coach, either Barry Switzer or Jimmy, who said, whatever you guys do, do not hurt Thurman Thomas because we don't want his backup to get on the field in whatever bowl game they were in. <laughs> uh, how if short-sighted. Jay, Jay, if you're talking about Super Bowl appearances and making a difference in the game, there's got to be an honorable mention for the great Timmy Smith, who... he did make me very happy once well there is a redskins running back that shows up uh on the top of uh of greg's lists here and uh, it's john riggins who's clearly a much different running back than any of the other guys that we've talked about in this conversation 
Yeah, Riggins. I mean, I, I, clearly, I didn't see him play. I'm also not uh, not, not that old, uh, but uh, yeah, he was a uh, he was one of those old downhill runners, wasn't he? Uh, Rico still writes still writes about the Washington Redskins all the time. Some of the good, some of the not so good. One thing, Jay, is uh, is uh, on the on the CVs of running backs. I think seven of them have uh, crossed the 2,000 yards a season mark. I think you mentioned O.J. Simpson and. Uh, Dickerson, of course, has still holds that record, I believe. Uh, that's also quite a that's something to put into the the whole uh, criteria question, because that that is some some effort. Well, for that, let's go to Greg. Greg, <laughs> why did uh, to help kind of take into account like the Marshall Falks of the world with a lot of receiving yards? I did two thousand yards from scrimmage and fourteen touchdowns in an individual season, and. A name on here that we haven't talked about. I mean, of course, you got Eric Dickerson and Tomlinson with three each. The name on here that shocked me when I saw it was Priest Holmes over a two-year span had two of the greatest years I think we've ever seen in 2002 and 2003. And he's like an afterthought. He's not – I wouldn't put him up for an all-time great. But just looking at the stats, I mean, he had 40 – he had like 41 touchdowns over those two-year span. And it's just just amazing. 51 touchdowns. I mean, 51. Yes, your math was just 10 short. Yeah, yeah. I am a math. You also have Edger and James on there, Greg. I mean, I just like you know Edger and James. I think a lot of people might throw into this conversation because of his longevity. But a guy like Priest Holmes, just on that metric of 2,000 yards. I mean, you're the key of your offense. I mean, that's just amazing. And you know, it even adds more to Tomlinson and Dickerson, of course, since they did it three times. If Priest Holmes would have had a bit better nickname, something like the Nigerian Nightmare, like something that you could really grab onto, I think he'd get a little more press, but just no nickname. By the way, the Nigerian Nightmare, <laughs> Christian Okoye, man, because I did see him play. Uh, I've seen some of these older generation guys play, these 1980s guys, um, although I don't know if Okoye was the 80s or the 90s, but in any case... Dude, that guy just plowed people over. You couldn't stop him. It would be like the Jim Brown argument. Uh, and to that degree, let's bring in Matt Williamson's email, as Matt Williamson was unable to join us today. But he is very much a Jim Brown guy. He says, sorry, it's Jim Brown by far. No questions asked. Uh, but he does say you need to mention uh, Marshall Falk and Adrian Peterson even. Um but he has always been a Jim Brown guy. Uh, he, he, he's, there's just no comparison. But I have to take in again what Matt Chatham said is that Jim Brown was a freak athlete at a time when the other people on the field weren't up to his grade. At this point in the NFL, we don't see very many freak athletes. You know, Bo Jackson would be the guy. Uh, that I would point to as that freak athlete amongst, you know, a, a multitude of tremendous athletes. And at this point in the NFL, when you make it to the NFL, you are elite. You're an elite athlete. Even those big dudes on the on the offensive line and defensive line, and you just don't see that anymore. And 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 to me. As I look at these guys and go to that wow factor, Neil, I'm looking at those guys that you know are even are somehow even superseding what the other guys on the field are doing. Yeah, it's an important point. Uh, I was thinking, looking, looking at uh, the really 
terrific stuff that Greg's put together, which uh, thanks, Greg. It saved us a lot of work, I'm sure. Uh, I'm wondering if uh, how important career yards uh, per average per rush is is in the whole question. Would that help to sort of give you an idea about the guys who played three or four years towards the guys who played 16, 17 seasons? Uh, is is uh, yards per rush a reasonable uh, a reasonable uh, barometer? I think I think that's tough going across the eras. You know, uh, the seventies. The you know, I I just I've seen the highlights in the games of like uh, Franco Harris just diving into the line just to get the short yardage play and stuff like that. I think you're almost comparing apples and oranges at that point when you consider a Jamal Charles who, I mean, the you know the game is so different in the style and they don't waste plays anymore, or you know. That type of thing. I think that's a really hard comparison. I kind of liked the overall season yardage more than the individual game. Yeah, looking at the yards per average stat, uh, as as Greg put this together, there's a guy on here who I never thought was a Hall of Famer, uh, and it's probably because his yards per average was only 3.93. I say only, but it is... Uh, significantly less than everybody else on this list. Uh, the only other guy with a lower yards per average that I can see is John Riggins at 3.89. Uh, and that's Jerome Bettis. Uh, I didn't feel Bettis was a Hall of Famer. Uh, and, and, and I look at, well, and I look at that yards per average. He didn't necessarily uh, rush, you know, he didn't really have those big rushes. I, I guess as we look back and we talk about what Brady talked about, the emotional impact that he had on a team, uh, you know, perhaps that gets him a little closer to the conversation. But I don't believe Bettis belonged in the Hall of Fame, and I certainly don't think he belongs in this conversation. I couldn't disagree more. Just watching him play back when they used to, you know, in the mid-90s, he, you could physically see him beat down on the linebackers of the opposing team after rush after rush. And you could literally see, I remember seeing countless times of the Bengals and Ravens just stopped hitting him because they were just physically abused the entire game. And that was, that was how they designed their team to win. I mean, that was Cowher's entire baseline for winning games. Get to the fourth quarter, give the ball to the bus, and next thing you know, your three-point lead you know, is safe because you just had the ball for 12 minutes of the 15-minute quarter. I mean, and that's part of the stylistic thing is – he was a big back. Um, I mean, who knows how big he really was? Maybe 300 pounds at some points. But I mean, <laughs> I mean, he was a, just just that aspect. I mean, he literally ate clock, unlike anyone else in that era, in my opinion. I mean, they literally just ended games with him, and you could literally. I mean, it was just an inspiring thing to see someone's soul get broken on the football field and being able to see it from your house. Like number 56 just doesn't want to play anymore. Like he's just given up because he can't handle it. Neil, you were going to jump in there. No, I was just going to say to Greg, uh, shots fired on the Jerome Bettis question there from you. Uh, I'm with Pod. I'm with Pod on this. Jerome Bettis, he was good, but Hall of Fame, I don't know. I just, he just quantity. You know, they just kept giving him the ball. He had all those carries in the end of the game because he had a good team and a good defense. And I hear what Greg's saying. I think it's awesome. I mean, I would, you know. You watched him more than any of us. I'm sure you know more than I do, but 
I don't know. When he made the Hall of Fame, I thought it was kind of a marketing move or something. I just didn't think he deserved to be in the same conversation as some of these other guys. And to be fair, I'll throw I'll throw shots at the Patriot Jet player, Curtis Martin, also not a Hall of Famer. Um, but he's in on this list and he has more yards and a better yard per average than Jerome Bettis. But Curtis Martin, also not a Hall of Famer. He's very good. Uh, I'd, have to just, I'd have to just disagree with you there, Jay. I think Martin is a Hall of Famer. I think, uh, I think uh, he didn't play on the greatest teams either at the time. And, uh, yeah, he's got, the dur- he's got the durability. He's got the yards. Uh, it's terrific. The one guy I would throw in in terms of Hall of Fame is, uh, is Roger Craig. Maybe Roger Craig was, was born 10 or 15 years too early. But the guy is 84th all-time in terms of, of rec- receiving, uh, in terms of catches, which, okay, is uh, not the primary role of the running back, but uh, that's pretty good. And just out of interest, uh, Marshall Falk is the 34th on the all-time list for receptions. That's you know, obviously including all wide receivers, tight ends, and anybody else who fancies catching the ball. That is impressive. Monty, you're probably closest to the Niners uh, and probably saw a little bit more Roger Craig than the rest of us. Uh, what are your thoughts there on Roger Craig? Oh, so I, Hall of Fame for sure. I'm with Neil on that. That guy was awesome. Um, he, the, he was the first guy that I remember who really caught the ball out of the backfield. And granted, yeah. a lot of that is the genius of Bill Walsh and, you know, uh, kind of changing the game and using that as a weapon. But Roger Craig, I, way better than uh, Curtis Martin, way better than Jerome Bettis. He's not in the Hall of Fame. That, that's shocking to me. He was he was a phenomenal player. And granted, we all watched those 49ers win all those Super Bowls, so maybe that has a little bit to do with my memory of how good Roger Craig was. But I think the stats back it up. Like, he's he was a great player. Changed the game. And one other guy, Greg, you mentioned him briefly, Sean Alexander. Does he not get enough credit? It's it's tough not, it's tough to argue that he does get enough credit. I mean, again, he had one of those four or five year periods where he was, I think he was the MVP of the league, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I mean, he probably didn't do it as long as you'd like to see, but four years he was one of the he was the best back in the league for a while there. Sean Alexander, by the way, was an MVP, just confirming that. So uh, we did a Twitter poll. Barry Sanders was the winner, but we didn't have some of these other guys that we've discussed today on the poll. Greg, do you think we should do another Twitter poll? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think we're going to have to add uh, Tomlinson and, well, I'm not adding it. Sorry, guys. I'm not doing it. Emmett, just, it's too hard compared to Barry at their whole careers. Walter Payton. Walter Payton would be a good one. Marshall Folk. What What might be interesting, Greg, is if we do it uh, uh, like March Madness style, you break up like four running backs by running style. So, I mean, you could put like Jim Brown, even if you wanted to put like Jerome Bettis in like just the big power runner group, you can do the pass catching backs like Marshall Falk, Roger Craig, Ladanian Tomlinson. And then you can kind of do like the, the short career guys. So you could throw in like, you know, Sean Alexander, you know, kind of like a wild card type guy um, that doesn't really get consideration. And then uh, the winners of those four polls can move on to another poll. I like that that's doing you for a lot more work. No, that's fine. That's fine. Brilliant. Because I'm a corporate drone, that'll be fine. 
just wondering if you you each had a top three running backs. I do now that I've looked at all this. Uh, okay. My, my top three are Tomlinson, Sanders, and I never know Jim Brown, but I'm going to throw Jim Brown in there just because statistically he just is amazing compared to everyone else, like on a per game basis. He should be in the conversation because of everything that he did in the stats. But, I mean, back in the 60s, weren't dudes drinking coffee and smoking cigarettes at halftime? They all had part-time jobs so that they could keep, like, I mean, it was just a different time frame. He was like a grown man playing with little kids. And, I mean, all respect. I'm sure anyone who watched him play, like, the man was phenomenal. And he's definitely right there in the conversation. No, No questions asked. But, I mean... Some of the competition back there. I mean, you watch those old black and white films. He's just sh- shredding defenders left and right, like they're just falling off of them. Like if I were to go play with my nephews. But that also helps his I, argument, I think, right? Because like he was also one of those guys that didn't have any training, like off-season training, and didn't lift weights and all the other stuff. You know, like as much as it hurts him, it probably helps him too. That that's fair. He's phenomenal. Yeah, it's fair. I think I. I tend to go with the idea that if I hadn't, if I didn't see the bulk of their careers, uh, watching them week to week, I'll leave them out because it's really difficult, uh, really hard. Sorry, Monty, top three. Yeah, I would definitely go Walter Payton, uh, Barry Sanders, just because he was so much fun to watch, and then you know Ladanian Tomlinson or Marshall Falk would be my three hole, and probably just because Ladanian destroyed me so many times. I'll give the nod to LT, but Marshall Falk is right there. I'd go Sanders 1, Falk 2, and Dickerson 3. Sorry, I also wanted to ask you guys about, uh, I mean, you'll know better than me, when Sanders retired, was there resentment about him retiring when he was still, uh, you know, obviously at the top of his game? Or, is that, or was that not the case? Resentment or just shock? I mean, it was just, it was totally unseen from what I remember. I mean, I was in... Uh, junior high or high school or something when he did that, but I just remember everyone being just shocked. Well, yeah, the, it, the Detroit fans. But I think uh, over time they've all kind of come around to like, I understand, right? Like that team, he would just get punished. They weren't going to the playoffs. I don't think that the ownership was willing to trade him because he was such an icon. So I think at the end of the day, resentment, I mean, like, they were shocked, disappointed. We all enjoyed watching them play, but you're kind of like, well, I don't know if I'd want to play for that team either. What's your top three, James? I mean, after the discussion, I'm, I think I'm just going to go with a top two, um, and it'll just be Barry Sanders and LaDainian Tomlinson. Like, I would like to have Falk instead of Tomlinson, but Tomlinson did it for so many more years. Um, and Falk probably has a little bit of a benefit of playing on those, you know, the 99-2000 Rams that'll discount everything. Um, you know, if you want me to throw in a third, I could, you know, I'd have no arguments putting in, you know, Walter Payton. I could throw in Jim Brown. But um, the fact that I'm not passionately trying to throw them in as a number three kind of has me set as mm-hmm. I'm either going to put Sanders or Tomlinson. All right. So we'll have a poll ready for all of you guys. On Twitter, uh, we will probably do it tournament style so that we can decide ultimately who is the greatest running back. And we want to hear from you. Send us your emails, nextfanup at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at NFU Podcast. And maybe there's a way that we can incorporate all this on our Facebook page as well. 
Uh, just type in Next Fan Up on Facebook, just like you do with Brady Papinga. Type in his name. Our page will come right up for you. All right. For Greg, for Neil, for James, for Monty, for Brady Papinga, don't forget to check out footballbyfootball.com. I am merely Pod Vader, and I leave you with Jeff Fisher. There you have it. Well, I think we learned today that, um, you know, this game is four quarters long. Thanks for giving me the heads up on the uh, on sounding like a frog. That's uh, it's good to know. That was the best work that Greg's done so far on this podcast. <laughs> the, the Thursday shows have a different feel than the Sunday shows. The Sunday shows, everyone seems to have a cocktail. Thursday is all business. I'm just glad you guys didn't pick up me yelling at traffic on my drive today. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.